either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You're sorry. You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. And we're back. <laughs> Welcome back from a week off in L.A. Hope you missed us. Glad you're back to run down the latest releases. This is the Screening Room Podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And we're from MadWolf.com, and let's start off with a big sci-fi adaptation of Frank Herbert's classic science fiction novel about the son of a noble family entrusted with the protection of the most valuable asset and most vital element in the galaxy. This is Dune. Tonight the bloodline ends forever. Kill them all. This is an extermination. They're picking my family off one by one. Only together can we stand a chance. Let's fight like demons. It's not safe for you here. I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Well, probably the first disclaimer about this movie is I think it's really going to fall along the lines of how much investment you have in this story before you come into the film. At least that's the idea I'm getting so far, because we didn't really have any. We, neither one of us have read the books. No. We have seen the David Lynch 1984 movie. Sure. In fact, it just was on the other night. Yeah, we just rewatched funny. it to remind ourselves how ridiculous it is. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but uh, I think the people that are really invested in the story already, are going to have a lot better time with everything is in this movie, especially the length of it. So, but to be fair, we brought a big fan of the novel and a massive science fiction book fan, uh, our writer, Kat McAlpine. She came with us to the screening, and I, she was frustrated as well. Yeah, well, let's start off. This is uh, director Annie's uh, co-writer. Denis Villeneuve. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I think I might have <laughs> nailed that. First try. Um... So it looks great. If you know anything about his work, he did the Blade Runner 2049, mm-hmm. gorgeous. Arrival. Prisoners. This movie, prisoners, yeah. yeah. Enemy. This movie, to me, feels like a combination of those two movies, though, Arrival and uh, and Blade Runner. Yeah, except it's so much. Don't expect the color of Blade Runner. This no. is so much more muted and earth tone, which which fits the story. Yeah. But it looks, it looks fantastic. It does. Uh, and see it on the big screen. I know it's actually landing on in theaters and on HBO Max. But yeah, if you can make it, if you feel comfortable, we definitely... To if re- you want to go... It's funny to say it, because we're actually not going to give it a very positive review. <laughs> but really, for the full experience, mm-hmm. especially if you're invested in the story, I would really recommend the big screen. But So yeah, so it looks great, and it's got a great cast. It does. Led by Timothy Chalamet. And then you've got Oscar Isaac, and you've got... Almost unrecognizable Charlotte Rampling for mm-hmm. just a little bit. Yep. Legendary Charlotte Rampling. She was great. Uh, Javier Bardem. Yep. Rebecca Ferguson is great. Zendaya. Yeah. Uh, but the the one thing... If What's you... his name? Momoa. Oh, Jason Momoa, uh, yeah. Josh Brolin. Oh, we over. could just go on and on. Yeah. I mean, it's so really it's a got a stack cast. And the one thing that jumps out right away is that at the very beginning of the movie, it says Dune, and then it says Part 1. Yes. So, in case you didn't know, this is really no spoiler, this is half of a story, really, at least half. Um, don't expect some tidy resolution by the end of the movie. And as Don't you, expect an ending. Right. And as, as you pointed <laughs> out, it is it is possible to do that with a, a first installment and still feel like a complete 
narrative. Yeah, it, I mean, the example that I used was Kill Bill. So, and it was filmed to be a single film. It was meant to be one movie, and he split it in half and released it as two different movies. But each movie, even though at the end of Kill Bill Volume 1, you knew there was a Volume 2, it felt like a complete narrative. To me, Dune does not. It does not. What it reminded me of was not Kill Bill. What it reminded me of was the first Hobbit, Mm -hmm. where you sit there and sit there and sit there, and things look good. Not that much is happening. It's over two hours, and then the dragon opens its eye. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, I sat here for two and a half hours, and, and you just introduced the villain. Yeah. We only get to see the antagonist eyeball after two and a half hours. Uh, I wasn't as frustrated with, with Dune, but I had the same sort of feeling. Yeah, I get that, because by the end of it, they're just starting a whole new chapter that is not going to be there until they make another, if and when they make another. So... Just, just know that going in. And it's basically, I think some people mistakenly are going to see this and, and see elements of other movies and think that they copied that movie. Well, this story goes back many, many decades. Oh, yeah. Uh, and But you're, it's it's basically a chosen, it's another chosen one story. It's a white savior film. Yes. It's a white savior and film. And that's a problematic uh, element that you quite rightly mentioned in your written review. It is. It's leading this, this young, fresh-faced not a pimple in sight kid, Timothy Chalamet, a leading, is he the chosen one to lead salvation for these people? And again, as you rightly pointed out, in this movie, they cast a lot of those people with black and brown faces, which only adds to the feeling yeah. that it's they're being white saviored. I mean, in the in the novel, it's pretty clear that, that that's what the metaphor is, mm-hmm. that the, you know, spice is oil, and they're talking about the Middle East. And they're called freemen or yeah. free men. Right. Yeah, that's right. very clear, yeah. But... But, you know, it still is up to your imagination. He doesn't point it out. He doesn't say specifically. And then in, in uh, Lynch's Dune, well, everybody was white. The entire cast was yeah, white. Yeah. So he, he didn't address it. So on the one hand, I like that Villeneuve addressed it head on mm-hmm. by having just just actors of color uh, play the Freeman. On the other hand, that only made it more evident that it went from being a metaphorical um, white savior story the to literal. a literal yeah. white savior film. Because yeah. I'm uh, Timothy Chalamet is pastier even than I am. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, and it's hard to say, will will they do anything to address it in Dune Part 2? I don't know, because this just still should be a standalone film, and it was yeah. so much a white savior film. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, obviously it's not a, a big recommendation from us, but I, I really do think, as far as the story goes, because I've really said to myself about halfway through it, it it's just the story. I, it, the story is just boring me. It's tedious to me. Now, if it's not, if you're invested in, I think you're really going to like it a lot more. And again, you really should, if you can, see it on the big screen. And I think you may get a, a satisfying experience out of it, more so than we did. Yeah. And we didn't even mention Stellan Skarsgård and his uh, I- incredible uh, fat suit. Right. And the other. As the Baron. Very good. And Dave Bautista plays Sting. <laughs> it's good. It's good Dave Bautista makeup. It looks a lot different than Sting. Uh, yeah, so it's a great cast, looks great, but other than that, it might be a, might be a slog for you. And it is in theaters and on HBO Max right now, Dune. Hey, how about a Western? When an outlaw discovers his enemy is being released from prison, he reunites his gang to seek revenge in The Harder They Fall. Where is he? Where is who? Your boss. My boss. Clearly, you don't know me. Hey, I don't particularly enjoy violence. That being said, you are currently in company of extremely violent individuals. Jump, mother. My guns go bang. I the guns go bang. She ain't well for you. Really? 
Mm-hmm. I defy you to find a cooler cast than these people. Man. This is the coolest cast ever. This is a cool cast. It's Idris Alba as one outlaw, Jonathan Majors as the other, and you know, this town ain't big enough for the both of them. No. It's going to come to a head. And they each have gangs, and you've got Regina King and Lakeith Stanfield and Delroy Lindo. Delroy oh, wait, no, F. Lindo. Yes, I was going to say, I forgot the F. <laughs> Delroy F. Lindo and Zazie Beats and Danielle Deadweiler. Danielle Deadweiler. We were we, so excited to see her in this cast. Yeah, because she's so great in a movie called The Devil to Pay. Look that up. And also, Dion Cole, who you may not know, he's the current Old Spice guy. Okay. The guy, uh, Patty LaBelle steals his robe. That guy. <laughs> anyway, it's a great cast. And it's the uh, writer and the co-writer and director is James Samuel, who also goes by the name The Bullets. Okay. Which is very appropriate because there are plenty of bullets in this movie. And it is just a blast. It is so much fun. As I, as I said in the written review, who doesn't like a good Western? And this one is good and fun. And it's interesting because at the beginning, on-screen text tells you, that this is not a true story, but, and then he puts a period after each word, these people existed. So the, many of these, if not all of these characters, are real people yeah, in history. Yeah, taken from history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he's just reminding you that the whitewashing of the Old West in Hollywood is really the alternative history, not this. Oh, you know, it absolutely is. I mean, I mean, uh, history... In reality, the vast majority of cowboys were African-Americans and Mm Mexican-Americans. It was a minority who were white, although if you watch any other Western, you would never know that. Right, and it was fun after seeing this movie going and, and reading up on some of these real characters. Fascinating, and I would recommend doing that, but it's just a blast of a movie. It does cover some very familiar themes in Westerns, and some of the dialogue is a little clunky. But, man, they are all, all in on it, on the real tight close-ups and the stare-downs. And, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just they're all in. They're so committed. All the actors are so great. This cast is so fantastic that it's just a ton of fun. And this one goes on. It's, it's a little bit longer, too. It's a little bit over two hours. But, but you it, don't feel it. No, it doesn't feel like it Do drags. you feel it? <laughs> you do feel it. And, uh, and it's, definitely, it's definitely an R-rated movie because they are, they're killing lots of people. Yeah. But everywhere you turn, there's a great actor just really delivering a fantastic performance. And it's just, it's just a blast. And it's fun to see not only a, a good Western, but one that this is just, just invests in reminding you of forgotten history. And, and not just races, but lifestyles, too. And I'll just leave it at that. Uh, there's just so much to like here, and led by the cast, and it's just a, just a blast. And this one is in theaters now, but it's going to be, it's a Netflix film. Right, so it'll be on Netflix, I think, November 3rd. Is Okay, so, so it is coming to Netflix, but it's another one that looks great, too, because the vistas are fantastic, the panoramas, and so many of the period details, I mean, the... The crisp bowler hat. How does Idris look? And Idris looks good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a, a lot of it just it just looks fantastic, Sue. So big uh, as well. So big recommendation for The Harder They Fall. In theaters now, coming soon to Netflix. Let's go animated next for the story of Barney, an awkward middle schooler, and Ron, his new walking, talking, digitally connected device. Ron's malfunctions set against the backdrop of the social media age launch them on a journey to learn about true friendship. This is called Ron's Gone Wrong. I'm not leaving you behind. They will send you to the crusher. We'll go to the crusher together. No, crushing is not fun. (laughs) Not fun. Where is it? We don't need anyone else. I currently have one friend. That is sad and also tragic. No problem. 
across the beaver. Maybe turn it off and on again. Can I tell you what this movie reminds me of? Mm-hmm. Child's play. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I wasn't expecting that, but okay. It, this is going to remind you of some other movies. Didn't remind you me of Child's Play, but even in, in the recent past of um, animated movies like uh, How to Train Your Dragon, you'll yeah, see a little bit of that. Yeah. Even that Big Hero 6. Mm-hmm. Um, even there's, for me, there was a little bit non-animated, a little bit of E.T. in here as well. Oh, sure. But um, it's a lot better. I, I think both of us weren't wowed by the trailer at no, all. No, no. But it turned out to be better than that. It's it's a nice message aimed at middle schoolers. I mean, these these bots that they're called, that's what Ron ends up being. And Ron is, is voiced by Zach Galifianakis. And uh, his, his owner, the young boy, Barney, is Jack Dylan Grazer, who was in um, It mm-hmm. and uh, Shazam. Mm-hmm. Really good, a really talented young actor. And these bots basically are metaphors for our phones. Mm-hmm. And these bots just follow the kids around all day. And that's how they get likes and they share things. And so, so many movies now, of course, are commenting on the digital and social media age. But I think this one gets it pretty right because it is aimed at a younger set. And it doesn't really push too hard to make them feel stupid for liking this stuff. Because that's their world now. Mm -hmm. And it's just trying to remind you that, hey, maybe there are some dangers here that you didn't think about. And... And also try to point out about being true friends. So it's nice. It's it's funny enough. It's not hilarious, but it's funny enough. And actually, one of the writers here, Peter Bainham, has been involved in the Borat movies. So you could tell he's very smart about social issues, but obviously bringing it down for a younger <laughs> audience. But uh, yeah, that name kind of jumped out at me. Oh, Borat. Is that, but uh, no, it's very, I think, socially uh, insightful. And uh, I think in the end, it's something that families could could have a good time with, especially if you have a kid in that age group that maybe is having some some troubles with maybe being being teased for something. Because there is a character, a, a girl in this movie, who something very embarrassing happens to her, and of course it gets shared, and she becomes this nickname associated with this viral video, which of course happens. At that age, it's your entire world, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it does a good job of, of dealing in a in a fun comical, somewhat lighthearted way with a very, seri- a very serious subject. So, uh, yeah, it was a lot better than, than really the trailer had me thinking that it might be. Right. Uh, not, not hilarious for the parents, but funny enough. And that is in theaters now. And this is, I believe it's the first output, first project from a new imprint of Disney. Uh, called, I think it's called Locksmith Animation. But it still is owned by Disney. And, uh, and that is called Ron's Gone Wrong in theaters now. Next up, we have a historical biography. English artist Louis Wayne rises to prominence at the end of the 19th century for his surreal cat paintings, The Electrical Life of Louis Wayne. Louis Wayne special! Look there he is! A cat man. Cat man. A whole cat world. How you've managed to conjure images of such delight at such a dark time. I don't know. Just remember, however hard things get, the world is full of beauty. And it's up to you to capture it, Louis. And to share it with as many people as you can. 
So this has obviously been going on for many, many years. Now we have our cat videos. Back then we had cat paintings. That's Yeah. Well, you know, and I, I guess I can't verify that it is accurate, but the thing that stuck out the most to me in this movie is the idea that apparently, at least in England, people didn't keep cats as pets before the late uh, 1800s. Interesting. And, uh, they and, just roamed free. Yeah. You had them to, like, mouse, but they weren't in your house and you, they weren't beloved pets and you didn't name them. And so he did, he and his wife, they took in this kitten and, uh, and then he started drawing pictures of this kid because that's what he did. He was an illustrator. And so he elevated cats. He, he would make these, you know, they'd be like at dinner parties or they would be uh-huh. trick or treating or they'd be doing, you know, having Christmas or whatever. And so suddenly, at least in England, people started keeping cats as pets. And so at the end of his life, H.G. Wells like eulogizes him over the radio and talks about how he elevated cats in in society and I thought to myself that's just crazy. So then back then that was before cats knew that they could not eat their food. They could just sit in front of the bowl <laughs> until we came along and pet them and then they could eat. That's a little bit of an inside joke for our crazy cat. But Lewis Wayne, he made him he gave him you know, these uh, anamorphic, uh, anthropomorphic, yeah. anthropomorphic situations. He did. He did. He, you know, it's almost like, you know, the, the dogs playing poker. Right. It was that style for a long time. And then and then as his life progressed, they became more and more surreal and bizarre and interesting and still popular. But that's the thing. It shows you the way as his art kind of changed. So did sort of his mental state. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is where the film kind of lets you down. So it's. Benedict Cumberbatch, who's great. In fact, the entire cast is really, really good. Andrea Riseborough plays his sister, and um, Claire Foy. Foy plays his wife. Everybody, and Toby Jones plays uh, the guy <laughs> who gives him a job and publishes these photos or these, these illustrations. The whole cast is great, and Olivia Coleman does the narration, and she gets all the best lines, plus she's awesome. I mean, there's That's so funny. much going for it. And I forgot to mention, she's also a voice in Ron's Gone Wrong. So nice. back to back Olivia Coleman, which is not a bad thing. Never. Um, I just think the, the film can't decide what its tone is because, in a way, the, tor- the story he's telling is tragic because he is just not suited to the world. He's a. He's just not. He's mm. going to get bullied and taken advantage of. And that's the, the comparison with Andrea Riceborough. She has she doesn't have the opportunity to be the one who is the head of this household, uh, the family, although she's the one who could do it. Right. So she's equally frustrated yeah. with life. Um, it, it throws a lot at you, but well, it can't that, decide what his, it's doing. His situation brings sort of shame on the family. Because um, his wife, who's really the only person he ever has been in love with, and she accepts him and understands him as nobody else does, but she is also the um, governess. And so he marries the governess and it brings shame on his family, and so his five younger sisters never marry. Mm. Partly because... This family is, and so that's another thing yeah. that they bring up is sort of the social, bizarre social constructs of the time in England. I mean, it's it covers a lot and it's very sloppy about it. And so in the final act, it tries to kind of reel everything in and, and tie it up in a bow, and yeah. you just it just Too doesn't tidy. really work. But Benedict Cumberbatch and the cast always go. This is writer, is co-writer and director Will Sharp, and it is in theaters now called The Electrical Life of Lewis Wayne. Next up is a drama set after the tragic overdose of an estranged friend when Will, a recovering addict, returns home where he is reunited with Claire, his friend's grieving mother, with whom he begins a secret but volatile affair. This is called No Future. We've both been through the same thing, caring for somebody who's so sick. What's Claire doing? Someone who just lost her son. I think I wish I could go back in time and do something.
wanted a normal life. Away from all of this. Matt Wiener reviewed this one for us uh, because he has a massive crush on Catherine Keener. Who doesn't? <laughs> he wasn't entirely expecting such a bleak film. It yeah. is really just a film that digs into grief and tragedy and addiction, but it does it bracingly and well. All of the performances are wonderful. Of course, Catherine Keener is mm-hmm. wonderful because when is she not? And it uh, it really sidesteps any of the you know cliches that you might expect to see in a movie about addiction, a movie about drugs. And it's an exceptional movie. Very tough to watch. Yeah, and the uh, the young man is played by Charlie Heaton. And the cast also features Rosa Salazar, who we've been watching in yeah. that uh, cherry flavor. Yep. And then Jackie Earl Haley. Nice. Yeah, nice to see him again. So, And the, the co-writers, co-directors, Andrew Irving and Mark Smoot. But yeah, Catherine Keener, there's just a, another chance to, to uh, appreciate her talent because... I don't remember seeing her in something this heavily dark and dramatic for a while. But Not she for can a while. Pretty much handle everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but she can pretty much handle everything. So this one is in theaters. Oh, actually, it's on VOD now as well. Yeah, and you can check the entire written review uh, from Matt Weiner at MadWolf.com. But he recommends no future. Well, we got to have something for spooky season. So how about this? A documentary about the life of Tom Savini. This film covers his early days in Pittsburgh and his rise to stardom as Hollywood's most sought-after special effects wizard. It's Smoke and Mirrors, the story of Tom Savini. You can't say horror movies without thinking about Savini. Because I think of makeup effects as magic tricks. He could pull things out of his butt, you know, at the last minute. Makeup effects to me was to get my foot in the door as an actor. I always wanted to be an actor. You bit my finger clean off! There's makeup effects and everything. There was a realism to it. There's probably very seldomly been that much blood used in one death scene. Tom showed me early on that you can have fun. My father is the epitome of never growing up. Brandon Thomas covered this one for us. Massive, massive fan of Tom Savini's. Brandon Thomas, as are we, actually. Well, any yeah, any horror film fan uh, worth their salt, you're going to know the name Tom Savini, and I think you're going to like this documentary. Yeah, I think so. I think one of the things that uh, makes it very interesting, a lot of times when you see a documentary about a person, it's a lot of talking head footage and very little of that actual person, but Savini is all in. I mean, there's a lot of, of footage of him on other shows. There's a lot of footage of him behind the scenes, but there's a lot of just him talking about himself. So it gives you a good sense. Other people are telling you about him, but then he shows up and, yeah. and you can see for yourself. So it's, it is. It's an interesting documentary, especially if you are already interested in Tom Savini or just in horror films. Yeah, and you might be surprised about how he approaches, how really interested he has been for a long time in the serious craft of acting. Of acting. Because you might, as I did, have the idea that, well, he was just a special effects guy that kind of fell into it. No. Right. No, not at all. No. So this one is available on VOD, and you can check uh, Brandon's complete review at madwolf.com. But Smoke and Mirrors, the story of Tom Savini, is a good one, especially for horror fans. Another drama next, neglected and unsupervised, a group of high school seniors are pulled into a downward cycle of violence. It's called Runt. We're going to throw a party. You should come. Be careful. Think it's okay he messed with another guy's girl? Leave me alone. What did you do? Stay away from me. Let me out. You watch me burn in the 
Well, it's interesting. Right outside the hotel where we stayed last week in L.A., there was a, well, of course, all over L.A., there's gigantic movie billboards. There was that huge one for this movie. Yeah, there was. So I knew this was coming. I was interested to... uh, see the review. Christy Robb reviewed this for us. Yeah, she thought it was amazing. And and mainly she was amazed by the performance of Cameron Boyce, who yeah. un- tragically died in his sleep. A very, very young man. Yeah, 20 years old, two years ago. Um, a seizure, a massive seizure. And uh, yeah, that is as, as she points out in this review, it just shows you how much, much talent was taken far too soon. Yeah. But he plays uh, an art school kid who is just waiting to get out of this public high school and get into an art school. And, you know, uh, falls in with the wrong pack. They kind of bully him at first, then he becomes part of the pack. And uh, what she was most amazed, because that sounds a little bit cliche, but she was really amazed by how authentic everything felt. The performances all the way around, but especially voice, that you could just see the range of emotions play across his face. Like, he didn't even have to say anything, and you knew exactly what the character was going through. She was really, really stunned by his performance. And as she pointed out as well, it made the path to him finally snapping feel authentic. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, so definitely read her review at madwolf.com, Christy Robb, and that is for Runt, which is available now on VOD. And finally, a documentary about a group of high school seniors training to become police officers and border patrol agents at El Paso's Horizon High School near the U.S.-Mexican border. This is called At the Ready. Law enforcement one, it's all about policing. So you guys are going to learn like the basics, how to handcuff, how to lift fingerprints, how to do traffic stops, the use of force. It's going to be paramilitary style. People are looking up to you. People need you to do great things. I have PTSD. And do I blame my job uh, as a police officer? Yeah, I do. On your knees! On your knees! Now! Somewhere in this world, somebody is doing this right now. All this stuff it only makes you stronger. Rachel Willis reviewed this one for us, and she just thought it was incredible. I mean, it's it's such an interesting idea, but also that the students at the school are primarily Latino, and, and so they're learning specific ways to police, uh, and at the same time, dealing with the implications um, on their, their own community of people. Yes. I mean, it's, a, it's an incredibly interesting film to watch, especially not just from the, from the perspective of the teens, but the teachers mm-hmm. and what they're saying and what they're not saying, because yeah. it's tr- they're, everybody's trying to keep everything very non-political and right. not, not trying to force their own opinions. It's an incredibly interesting thing to watch. Yeah, especially early on when they talk before, really before the training begins, the ideas of what the kids expect from this line of work and then maybe how they change. Uh, by the end of this. Yeah, fascinating. And Rachel Willis has the review. She gives it a big recommendation at madwolf.com. It's called At the Ready, available now on VOD. And hey, let's go to the lobby for a special guest. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Yeah, and live in the studio That's this right. week. Woo-hoo. We forgot to lock the door. <laughs> we welcome. The schlocketeer. Welcome. Welcome to these parts. Hey, thanks for having me here. Yeah, yeah. So we'll get the update. We were off last week, so you probably have some extra good uh, tidbits for us. Uh, not as much as I thought we'd end up having. Next week on the 26th, A24's Lamb will be available to stream for one night only oh. um, through their premium fee uh, service, A24 screening room platform. A word of caution, however, when the Green Knight did the same thing a couple of months ago, 
about two days later, it was on regular VOD for a lot less money. So if you really want to see Lamb and you don't want to wait, you can see it on the 26th. But if you don't want to spend as much money, I suggest waiting a few more days because it'll probably pop up on regular VOD then. Did you did you just say their platform is called the Screening Room? Yes. Where are our lawyers? <laughs> what the F? <laughs> yeah, they're scared of us. Ooh. <laughs> All right, what else? All right, next we have The Deep House, which is the latest film from the directors of Inside, Among the Living, and Candisha. Nice. That will hit epics on November 5th, but it will also be available on streaming or VOD outlets on the same day for okay. digital rentals. And this one involves a bunch of scuba divers exploring an underwater haunted house. Oh, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> we, we are both certified scuba divers, and we like haunted houses. So. Yeah. <laughs> and we like Inside. Yeah, we do. And Candisha. That's I really right. like Candisha. That's right. Yeah. And then Festival Horror Darling Silent Night is getting a day and date release in theaters and on AMC Plus come December 3rd. And we have Aaron Sorkin's new film, Being the Ricardos, which stars Nicole Kidman as Lucille Ball and Javier Bardem as Desi Arnaz. Yeah. That's hitting theaters on December 10th, and then it'll be on Amazon Prime to stream on December 21st. Just watch the trailer for that, yeah. I, You know, people right from the beginning were complaining because uh, because Nicole Kidman doesn't look anything like uh, Lucille Ball. Like Javier Bardem looks like Desi Arnaz. Maybe people just don't remember what Desi Arnaz looks like, but it's not Javier Bardem. <laughs> I'm looking. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. Yep. All right. We've also got Hulu sci-fi drama Mother Android, which has Chloe Grace Moretz as the lead. That will premiere on Hulu on December 17th. And then this one's for Hope. Michael Bay's action thriller <laughs> Ambulance will arrive in theaters on February 18th. Woo-hoo! Is that uh, is that Jake Gyllenhaal? <laughs> I believe it is, okay. yeah. And it's another Danish remake, just like Guilty was. Interesting. You know, Guilty was pretty decent. Um, so, yeah, he's he's into the, uh, well, the, he was a the, kind of a dispatcher then, uh, the off taking off duty. So now he's going to be the driver, I guess. <laughs> Looks that way. Moving up. <laughs> and the only other big thing, it's delays, but it's not delays for upcoming recent or soon-to-be upcoming films. Disney, for various reasons, has decided to... Uh, spread out their 2022 film slate. They were originally going to release a lot of movies next year, and now they've postponed a couple of them into 2023 for various reasons. The pandemic's still ongoing. Um, Foreign markets aren't pulling in as much money as they had been. And, of course, the domestic box office is down as well. So instead of getting four Marvel movies and Indiana Jones and a couple of other things next year, it'll just be down to... um, Doctor Strange 2, Thor 4, and Black Panther 2 will still come out next year. Um, Indiana Jones 5 and Captain Marvel 2 have been moved to 2023. Mm. Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is still coming out in 2023, as is another Star Wars movie. The funny thing about that is most of those have already shot, or they're already in production now. I think the only one that hasn't started yet is Patty Jenkins' Star Wars movie. But basically... In giving them time to uh, have breathing room at the box office for the next two years, they're also giving all those filmmakers plenty of time to fine-tune all the movies instead of rushing it. Hopefully we can get some better CGI in some of them as well. And plenty of time for Harrison Ford to get older. Yes. <laughs> I hope he lives to be 100 years old, but, uh, yeah, another year for Indiana Jones. Okay. And that's all I've got for you. All right. Well, thanks for coming by the studio. You're always welcome. <laughs> Don't be a stranger. <laughs> you can find uh, The Schlocketeer, Daniel Baldwin, on Twitter at The Schlocketeer, and also on Facebook as well, right? Yes. You want to get caught up on all the uh, all the moving and shaking with the studio news and release dates. Thank you. Hey, thanks.
All right, looking ahead to next week. We've got three big ones right off the top. We do. We're excited for all three of them. Last night in Soho. Also, the French Dispatch, which is, of course, new Wes Anderson. Antlers. Heart of a Champion. Snakehead. Spine of Night. R-O-H. Now, what does that stand for? It's like Tibetan for soul. Ooh, okay. And Horror Noir. Now, that one confused us because if you, like like the two of us, really like that documentary, mm-hmm. this is not that. It is not. It's a completely separate, non-related film. Because I would have been down for another version of that. I would have, too. I was hoping it was a, like a, you know, a sequel, yeah, another documentary. No, it is a collection of short films, each one directed by an uh, African-American director. Okay. And that's great. So we'll look at all those next week. Until then, let us know what you thought of anything this week. Uh, you can find us, of course, on Twitter anytime. Keep the conversation going. We're at Mad Wolf on Facebook and Instagram. It's Mad Wolf Columbus. And the main website where you can find all of our written reviews and our other horror movie-only podcast called Fright Club. That's all for you right there at MadWolf.com. So don't be a stranger, just like the Schlocketeer. Drop by anytime. <laughs> we hope to hear from you. And until next week, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And this is the Screening Room Podcast. Let Daniel do it. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap.